Well, I want you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah 58. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12. Today I want to talk to you about a subject that many, if not most of us, have never thought about in our walk with the Lord. I want to talk to you about fasting. Now, as soon as I mention the word, you may not know much about it, but the very mention of it brings images up in your mind of not the kind of things that normal people do, but maybe something that a monk would do living in an isolated place on the side of a mountain somewhere. Or maybe you recognize fasting as a term that we should know about, but you wouldn't see it as really critical to our spiritual lives. In fact, to be honest with you, before I came to New Hope and we started this church family, I have to be honest that it was virtually non-existent in my own, non-existent in my own life. But did you realize that fasting is mentioned almost exactly the same number of times as baptism in the Bible? In fact, maybe one or two times more than baptism. And we, and we certainly understand the important role of baptism in our walk with the Lord, don't we? Today, I want you to know that fasting is something that we should know about and consider doing. But more than that, God's Word uses it. Listen, as always, when we talk about anything in God's Word, there's a bigger picture, isn't there? There are bigger issues. We may talk about specific topics, but God always has a bigger perspective. Not only that, but if you would describe yourself as being a, a person who's hungry for God, as wanting to see God work in your life, and, and as having a desire to see Him and work in the lives of people all across our region, all across our state, all across our country, and even across the world in a powerful way, which I believe is the desire of this church family, isn't it? You might want to hear what the well-known Bible teacher Charles Stanley has said about fasting. Now listen to this. He said that throughout history... A new thirst for God has always awakened a revival in interest in fasting. It was true of some of the Old Testament's greatest prophets, of the reformers such as Calvin, Luther, and others, as well as the great revivalists like Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, and Charles Finney, and others. Now, I don't mean to be overdramatic, but could it be that today we are a part of something bigger? Could it be that today in our country right now that God has in his heart something special that he's wanting to do? Could it be that we live in an area, in a region of this world that God has decided to pour out his spirit in a fresh way? That God is reaching people's lives in a way that, that people have prayed about for years and years and that we get to be a part of an effort like that and that maybe God would draw our attention to an aspect of our spiritual life that we need to think about in order to be ready and prepared for that. Do you think that's possible? I think that is absolutely true today. And that's one of the reasons that we're talking about this. Not only that, understanding that for some of God's greatest servants, this was a part of their walk with God, I believe is something important for us to think about today. And so we're going to talk about today fasting, saying no to me and yes to God. In Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 through 12. Isaiah 58, verse 1. Let's look at verses 1 through 3, first of all. Fasting, saying no to me and yes to God is what we want to think about. And we first of all need to realize, well, what is this thing called fasting? Well, in Isaiah 58, let's look at verses 1 through 3. Isaiah, the, the Lord says, uh, Cry loudly, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. 
yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God, they ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? What is fasting? Well, as we start to look at Isaiah chapter 58, these first few verses, the people of the nation of Israel, specifically the southern tribes of Israel called Judah, ask God about this topic that we want to talk about today. And before we look at it much closer, we need to understand what it actually is. One author has said this, A biblical definition of fasting is a Christian's voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, it might be all food and water, or it might be food, but not doing without water. For some period of time, it might be a meal, it might be a day, or whatever period. Uh, And certainly, uh, people, we always need to give this disclaimer when we're talking about fasting. If you were going to consider what we're going to talk about today, you'd need to talk to your doctor about that to some degree, to be responsible and and, uh, smart about that. But it has to do with doing without food, for a specific spiritual purpose in a voluntary way for some amount of time. Now, others define it in a larger sense, and I kind of like to realize this as well, so let me share this with you. One writer says, Fasting should really be made to include abstinence from anything which is legitimate in and of itself for the sake of some spiritual, special spiritual purpose. Now, though I think the larger sense helps us to see the bigger picture, which we're going to talk about, you need to know that with maybe one exception, which would be 1 Corinthians 7, 5, as far as I know, the biblical references to fasting always refer to it in regards to food. And throughout Scripture, fasting seems to be connected with, listen, these are, this is important, fasting is connected with brokenness and humility. Fasting is connected with special times of earnestly seeking God, of wholeheartedly focusing our attention on God for some important purpose, of a need to show complete dependency on God or trust in Him. I found somewhere between 60 to 70 biblical references to fasting, and most, if not all of them, were related to some of these emphases in some way. Let me say those again. To brokenness and humility, to focusing our attention completely on God because we, for some spiritual, special spiritual purpose, or for the need for us to show that we are completely depending on Him and trusting in Him. And throughout all of these areas connected with fasting and God's Word, there seems to be an emphasis on this. A sort of attitude that says less of me and my desires and more of God and His desires. An attitude that shows God that whatever it is that I'm seeking Him about, whatever the situation is that's caused me to, 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 to seek Him in this kind of way deserves special attention and focus. And what I'm saying is, God, this is important to us and I want you to know how important this is to me or to us By doing this. The great writer on prayer, Andrew Murray, has said this, and I like the way this kind of helps us think about it. Prayer is, on the one hand, the the way that we grasp the invisible. Fasting, on the other hand, is the way that we let loose and cast away the visible. Another person has said in regards to fasting that fasting is before God a practical proof for the reality that the thing that we're asking Him about is a matter of true and pressing interest, and in a high and in a high degree, it strengthens the intensity and power of our prayers. 
Now, how may fasting play a role in your spiritual life? Well, as you look at God's Word, you see some of the reasons that people cried out to God through prayer, and they included along with that fasting. One of the reasons was the confession of sin in their life. And not just sin, but usually a major fall, a major sin against God in their life. Maybe it's my own sin, or maybe you see this many times in Scripture, the sin of our own people. You hear that, that language many times in Scripture. People cry out to God, and they include with that fasting because they look at their nation, they say, God, how far we have gotten away from you. And they realize that in a powerful way, and they just want to cry out to God. You see fasting many times in a person's spiritual life and the reason that they would uh, use that as a part of their prayer time is a need for direction, for God's will to be made clear at critical points in their lives. Or maybe it would be a time of complete brokenness, of just a sense of emptiness and, and God, I just, I'm just completely dependent on on you. Do you see the intensity of what we're talking about here? The need for it, especially at special times in our lives, though it's not necessarily limited to those times. Now, before we move on, let me issue some caution about what we're talking about here. Listen very clearly. Don't come away as we talk about this today with the false notion that some people have that, that in, in some way extra prayer or something like fasting are hoops that we can jump through that make God happier with us so that He will once and for all finally answer our prayers. Do you hear that? That's not what we're talking about today. Some people think if they say a certain number of a certain type of prayer or they do certain things spiritually that now finally God's been asleep or God's been bored with their prayers or God's been ho-hum ignoring them and so now He'll finally say, okay, now you've done enough, I will listen to you. That's not what we're talking about here. I want that to be very clear today. It's not so much something for God as it is something for us. It helps to remind us to focus less on the things of this world and to be more in tune with God and with Him. God is always working, amen? I mean, it's, it's, there's not a sense in which, boy, I wish God would work. God is always working. It's just a matter of us getting in tune with what He's wanting to do. Also, God's Word, listen, especially young people today, God's Word gives no reason to do what some have had an idea of throughout history, which is in some way of beating my body or in harming myself, in some sense of denying myself of all worldly enjoyment. And that's where I talked about some people have had the idea that we ought to camp out on some hillside somewhere and seclude ourselves away from all the enjoyments of life and make ourselves miserable. And maybe if we get miserable enough, maybe God will finally say, we're spiritual. Now, isn't that crazy? You got to be miserable to be spiritual and for God to speak to you. That's not at all what, we talk, what we're talking about. In fact, may I share with you, that is a subtle ploy of the enemy. That is not from God. This is not earning God's favor or hurting myself in some way in order to make God happy. The point is to take my focus less off the things of this world, usually for an important, specific, spiritual purpose for some period of time. To make sure that for whatever reason, whatever it is that I'm seeking the Lord about, I have less distractions in hearing from God. Well, these cautions help us to, to lead us to the next few verses here in verse 3 and following. What is the danger of fasting? Let's look at verses 3 and following. It says, uh, now they said in verse 3, the first part, why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you do not notice? 
Then it says in verse 3, Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire, and drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose, the Lord says, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day to the Lord? Now, I've just talked about a few practical cautions about fasting, about what we're talking about today that come from really practical experience of things that I've seen, how people get off track, and from other passages in God's Word. But here in these verses, God gives us a different kind of caution. You have to understand something about the enemy. For most of us, for most of our lives, the enemy tries to influence, listen friends, especially if you're a regular, weekly, consistent attender of this church or any church. For most of us, God tries, or the, the enemy tries to keep us far away from the things of the Lord. However, he doesn't always mind when we get close. Because he can take things that God intended for good in our lives and counterfeit them into things that can be destructive for our lives. That is exactly what had happened in the lives of the people of Judah during Isaiah's day. Look back at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah was to say, was to cry loudly. God told him, I want you to sound a trumpet to my people. I want you to, to sound a trumpet about their sins. Now, it sounds like these people were pretty far away from God, weren't they? I mean, if you need to sound a trumpet to get their attention as God's servant, then they must have been pretty far away. <clears throat> and what was this terrible, awful sin that they were involved in? How had they gotten so far away from God and His plans and purposes? Well, look at verse 2. They prayed every day. It says, you seek me day by day. They loved reading their Bible. He says, they delight to know my ways. Verse 2 also tells us they were living pretty good lives. They, had, they were a whole nation of people who were doing rightly, who were living righteously. They loved going to church. In verse 2, the last part, they delight in the nearness of God. Oh, I just can't wait to go to church. Then on top of all that, in verse 3, they fasted, which seems to be a pretty committed kind of thing to do, doesn't it? These people even went to the, to the point of fasting. And you know what? Can you believe it? God did not even clap for them. God had not even noticed. Why? We find out in verse 3. The Lord says, Behold, look at this. He says, On the day of their fast, they found delight. They found pleasure. Some of you have the NIV version. It says, They did as they pleased. On the day of their fast, they took a day off while their workers were driven hard and exploited. And maybe it was because they wanted to eat and, 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 and uh, were uh, bitter about the fact that they couldn't, or maybe it's because they had worked a, a lighter day of work or maybe no day at all. It had put more strain on their attitudes and it had been put more strain on the production of their workforce. So you know what? On the day that they were supposedly seeking God, they were mean. They were hateful. They were rude. They were ugly. They were hard to get along with. They were abusive to their workers. That's what it says in the last part of verse 3. Can't you imagine the workers' conversations? Man, next time the boss has that religious stuff going on, I'm going to ask off. I'm calling in sick. 
I mean, he's hard enough to deal with, but on those days that he's supposedly seeking God, I mean, he's just unbelievable. By the way, can I ask you a question that God spoke to my heart this week as I thought about this? Is that more of the, the effect that your commitment to Christ has on the people around you? Do they dread seeing you walk with the Lord, supposedly <laughs> walk with the Lord? Or does it make you a better boss? Does it make you a better co-worker? Does it make you a better spouse as a result of your walk with Jesus Christ? At the beginning of verse 3, you get the impression that these people thought we should be getting a pat on the back for our high level of spiritual commitment. I mean, they would have said to themselves, how many people do what we do? I mean, I read my Bible every day. I go to church every day. I even fast. Come on, God, what are you looking for? And in verse 4, you know what the Lord says? Not impressed. (laughs) He says, what you're doing does not impress me. He says in verse 5, did you think that was what I was looking for? Did you think, he says in verse 5, did you think you hurting for a whole day, oh, my stomach's hurting, you know, I'm doing without food today for God. I love the Lord, it's killing me, but I love the Lord. And God, God says, do you think that was what I was looking for, hurting on my account? You think uh, bowing your head like a reed, he's talking about like, a, like maybe a... Um, Uh, a a piece of grass or something like that or a piece of straw waving in the wind. He says, do you think you're being hunched over and looking all weak and sickly and tired and sacrificial for me? Did you think that's what I was looking for? He talked about sackcloth and ashes. That was some of the, the, uh, the, the trappings of kind of showing that you were broken during this time. There was a certain way of dressing and putting ashes around you just kind of showed a humility and a humbleness. He said, did you think dressing differently? Did you think... Uh, sprinkling some ashes and things like that? Did you think making a big show for everybody else, is that what you call a fast? That's what the Lord said in verse 5. Will you call this a fast? Will you even call that an acceptable day to the Lord? It's the most special day of the week for me. (laughs) You look like you're about to die. You can't stand it. You wish it was over. You see, friend, if I'm going to fast, it's about saying no to me. And yes to God. But what were they doing? In a weird way, they were given the appearance of saying yes to God, but doing it in a way that made them look good, didn't it? At least spiritually. Other people probably around them would have said, oh, you're so spiritual. You're so committed to God. I don't know many people that that fast. But so in a weird way, they were given the appearance of saying yes to God, but they were really feeding their own sinful nature, right? They're really filling and feeding, in a weird way, their own desires. What's the point? We better be careful if we fast. Because we're going to be mighty prone to think that we're something spiritually. And if that's where we're headed, whether it's fasting or whether it's any other service to the Lord, the Bible tells us, please stop. Don't do it. I may as well eat. (laughs) Because... My fasting is not helping me one bit to be opened up to God. In fact, according to God's word, it was actually hurting their ability to hear from God. Is it possible that spiritual activity, like reading your Bible, like praying, like going to church, all of those things, is it possible that those things could actually get in the way of you hearing from God? Apparently, it is very possible, isn't it? 
And that's one thing as a church family that I believe God would want to caution us as as we continue to grow in our personal relationship with Christ is to keep the focus where God wants it to be. Not on the stuff, but on the Savior. Amen? Let's look at that in verses 6 through 12. What was the purpose then? What is the purpose of fasting? What is it? What's the danger? But what is the purpose of fasting? Let's look at verses 6 through 12. God says, Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke? Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. God tells them, you give the appearance of really seeking me. But as I said earlier in verse 1, unfortunately, even though they gave the impression of being people who really sought God, he had to yell to get their attention. Does that bother you today? It bothers me. Almost on a daily basis, but at least on a weekly basis, I ask myself, Lord, have I gotten so involved in the, quote, things of the Lord that I am no longer listening to the Lord anymore. Amen? Amen. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Does that sound familiar to you? If they were really interested in what God had to say, He says, hey guys, hello, hey, over here. Cry aloud, Isaiah. If you're really wanting to know, here is what I was looking for. Do you want to know what God's looking for today? In verses 6 through 7, one Bible paraphrases it like this. No, the kind of fasting I want calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly and give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your homes. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. You see, God may have called His people to fast, but that was not the ultimate end He was looking for. The fast was to be an expression, listen, an expression of their love for Him. But somewhere along the way, their love for Him had gotten lost in their activity for Him. In reality now, they no longer had a heart for God. And God, because He loved them, was bringing that to their attention. Can I challenge you today? Are you hiding behind activity, busyness, even sometimes, for some of us, church activity instead of dealing with your personal relationship with God? 
Are you running around from appointment to appointment, from assignment to assignment, from job to job, from whatever it is in your life? Are you just running around every day? But in reality, you know that if you ever stopped and stood still for just a moment, God has something he wants to say to you. Amen. Are you glad you're here today? I'm so glad the Lord brings us here to stop for just a few moments. Is God crying out to you today? All your stuff. It may even be good stuff, but that's not what I was looking for. That's not what I want for you. I want to be able to change your life. I want a personal relationship with you. One Bible commentator said this, I'm of the opinion, now listen to this, I'm of the opinion that the Lord could stop many church services today and say, listen, let's just cut this out. Why are you going through this form? You are not getting close to me. You are not pleasing me. When you leave this service, you gossip, you have bitterness in your heart, you're not moral in your conduct, and you're living loose lives. You think that you're pleasing me by your religious form, but I want you to know that you are not. My friends, many times when we're singing the songs during the worship time, during the worship through music, many times I ask myself the question, so what? (laughs) So what? So what about this song? Am I even listening? I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about y'all. Am I even listening to the words? Do you ever ask yourself that? I am mouthing these words, but I'm thinking about something else. I'm thinking about what happened last week, or I'm thinking about something I'm worried about for next week, or I'm thinking about something a few hours from now. And God says to me, Robbie, just stop. Sometimes I've actually stopped in a worship song. I just quit singing until I get my heart right and say, God, Help me. Please forgive me. I got off track. We're so prone to that, aren't we? We don't mean to sometimes. We don't even realize it sometimes. But the purpose of fasting was not for them to go through all that activity. God wanted them to give him their hearts. He didn't want all that ritual. And he says, if you give me your heart, here's what you can experience. In verse 8, he says, you can experience hope and healing and blessing." He says, if you would turn your heart to me, then verse 8, then your light will break out like the dawn. God says, if you want to really be an influence for me in this world, if you want to shine in a world that needs hope and needs help, if you want to be a blessing to the world, then give your heart to me. Turn your heart completely to me. I want to tell you, friends, that's what God speaks to me about most as a pastor. If my heart is not right with God, I have nothing to share with you. Amen? That's what I need today. I need God to speak to me, to work in my life. Then my light will break out like the dawn and my recovery will speedily, I'll have healing in my life. My recovery will speedily spring forth and our righteousness, your righteousness will go before you. You'll have influence in the lives of others. They'll see your life. The glory of the Lord, you'll have the protection of God. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. You'll have a personal relationship with God and he'll speak to you. In verse 9, he says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, Here I am. If you remove all that garbage, basically, is what God, if you remove the yoke from your midst, the point of the finger, the speaking wickedness, you'll have deliverance from troubled times. The Lord says, Then uh, 
the, the God, your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. God says, I don't want you to fast to get over your problems. I want you to give your heart to me. Maybe part of that is fasting. Maybe part of that is prayer. Maybe part of that is coming to a worship service. Maybe part of that is reading your Bible. In fact, as we look at God's word, all of those things are a part of us walking with God. But the point is, are we walking with God? Not, are we doing all that stuff? Your light will rise in darkness. Your gloom, God will give you victory over like the midday. The Lord will guide your life. He will continually guide you. He will, he will give you provision in tough times. It says he will satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be, I love this phrase, you will be like a watered garden. Isn't that a great phrase? We just got through this week. I've never done much planting in my life, but my wife wanted to do some landscaping around the yard. and So that's what we did for her for Mother's Day. We bought her a bunch of flowers. We planted those flowers. And it was fun. And I had fun out there putting life in the ground and seeing that, at least for a few days last, I hope it's going to stay a little longer, and watering that. Do you see that picture of a watered garden and the life and the beauty that comes up from that? God says, that's how your life can be. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Not only that, but God could give you the opportunity. If you, would, if you and I would just turn our hearts towards him, the opportunity to be used greatly. He says, those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. Are there things in your life that have been messed up for years? <laughs> Are there things in your family that have been messed up for generations? Could God from among you build, rebuild the ancient ruins? You will raise up the age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach. And that's powerful. God says your life could have influence and impact to restore things that have been broken for generations. If, he says to his people, if you will listen to me, and if instead of doing all the stuff, if you will give your heart to me. Now again, how would all that come? Would it come by walking through the church's doors? By going to church, is that going to change everything? By making a commitment to read my Bible every day, is that going to change everything? By fasting even and praying, oh, how spiritual you are. You fast. We would think about somebody else. Now, those things might happen, and they probably will be, according to God's word, a part of a personal relationship with God, but those activities alone are not enough for God. He said, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I want. Does that not bring great praise to your heart? Does that not set us free today? Does that not just bring great joy to say, God, I don't have to do a bunch of stuff anymore to make you happy. How many of us have been taught in churches, in all kinds of churches? I'm not going to single out any because there's lots of churches out here that across our world that are teaching people that somehow we bring pleasure to God's heart by doing all the right things, whatever that is. Isn't it wonderful to know, if you've never been able to figure that out, that what God wants for your life, maybe you've heard it for the first time here this morning, maybe you've heard it before, but it's becoming clear for the first time. Maybe you've never been in a church that shared that before, but is it powerful for you today to realize that God is looking for you? Have you been hiding behind religious stuff? Have you been baptized? So I'm all set, right? Have you taken communion? So I'm all clear with God. I've done what he... Have you been confirmed? 
Are you serving in church somewhere? Do you read your Bible every day and pray? My friends, listen, I want to share something with you. I believe that there are many people in churches all over the world right now in our country, in our state, in our community right now who think that they're all set with God because they're doing a bunch of stuff. And God says, I don't want your stuff anymore. I want you. Now, if you want to fast, if you want to pray, if you want to read your Bible, there's some very productive, wonderful things, God says, that can happen as a result of those things in your life if you allow me to work in the way that I created them for. But today, can I ask you a question? Have you been kidding yourself? Have you been thinking... We've got everything squared away with God because you've been doing all the right things. How many of us today are living our lives based on performance? Isn't that the way our country works? You have to perform. Isn't that the way many parents have taught us? You have to perform. Isn't that the way many churches have taught us? You have to perform. And God says, I don't want your stuff anymore. I want you. If you're a Christian here today, Would you ask God to forgive you for getting off track? Maybe you've been doing all that stuff to make Him happier, to look like a good little Christian, and God's speaking to your heart. He's calling you for the first time to experience some things in your life for the real purpose that they were given for. There's a wonderful purpose for fasting. And and we've talked about some of those reasons today. And can I just share with you today, one of the reasons we're talking about this is because I do believe that we're a critical point in the history of our nation. I do believe that God's doing something special across eastern New York. I do believe there's a church planting movement that God is raising up. I do believe that God's wanting to start up a church in Southlands Falls and, and, and us to be a part of that. I do believe that God wants to send this church across the world. I do believe that God is calling us to to move to that new location that he's given us a new piece of land and to build a larger building where we can have more people to worship and to serve God together, all those kind of things. And that is not insignificant. And we need to cry out to God, amen? We need to say, God, we have no silver bullets. We have no aces in the hole. We have no backup plans. We are desperate and hungry for you. And God's going to call some of us to fast as a result of that. God's going to call some of us to set aside one meal. Sometimes I'll just go home and I'll just tell Shannon, I'll just say, listen, don't say anything to the kids. Don't make a big deal. I'll just call her before I come home. But don't fix me a sandwich. Just put out saltines and some water. And I'm just going to, while y'all are eating your spaghetti, I'm going to, (laughs) I wanted some spaghetti too, Lord, but I'm giving this up to you. Amen? God, because I just want you to know that I'm paying attention. Now, I'm not trying to beat myself or flagellate myself. That's not what I'm trying to do. But God, I just want you to know that your desires, whatever you're wanting to do, I'm more hungry for that than to have a bowl or a plate of spaghetti today. Now, it sounds silly when we put it that way. But there must be something to it. This is a way for us to demonstrate from our heart that God, I'm focused on you, that this is important, that this is critical, that this is something that I'm drawing my attention closer to you for. Is God calling some of us to do that? In these next few weeks, maybe God would call you to set aside a week or a day per week where you'd give up a meal or you'd give up something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a whole meal. Maybe sometimes I'll just late at night, sometimes I love my 
chocolate milk. I mean, I just like chocolate milk before bed. Sometimes I like some ice cream before bed. Sometimes I just, I don't say anything to Shannon. I just, I'm thinking, you know, all things being equal, I could drink some chocolate milk. I'm a big boy. I can make decisions for myself. But you know what, tonight, Lord, I'm just going to give this one to you. I love you, Lord. Again, that's not beating myself or making myself suffer. I just want him to know he's better than chocolate milk. Amen? I don't mean to be silly about it, but it is fun walking with the Lord. It is a blessing to demonstrate our love for him, to sacrifice for him. We don't have to. I thank God that Jesus has paid it all. I don't have to earn God's favor. I don't have to make up the difference. Jesus has paid it all. If I never sacrifice anything, if I never give up anything except to give my life to Christ and to surrender my will to his and say, God, I receive you as my Savior, that's all I need. I need Jesus. And out of the overflow of a love relationship with him, there are things that God calls me to. And this is one of them. Sometimes in our spiritual walk. Friend, today, is God speaking to you as a Christian? Stop doing the stuff. If you're just doing it just to do it, stop today. Cancel it all until your heart gets right with the Lord. Maybe you're not a Christian here today, and for the first time in your life you've realized, yes, there are things that God's Word teaches about a walk with Christ, about a relationship with Him, but I never knew that He wanted me. That that's primarily what God is concerned about. That that's what He gave His life for. Jesus died on the cross, not for fasting, not for baptism, not for any of those things, but He gave His life for you. And today, you would just say, Lord Jesus, I have nothing to give but my life. I just offer my life to you today, and I surrender my life to yours. I accept you and your gift, and I receive you today as my Savior.